Who are you? That's been the question. And uh, believe it or not, this is the 18th part of that series of messages. We've been in the Word of God to see what it is that God says who we are. Each of us have formed an idea of who we are from a young age. There's no doubt about that. And like the children, when somebody says, who are you? You answer with your name. Or you might say, uh, you know, your job description. Or you might say you're a daughter or son or granddaughter or grandson or grandpa or grandma or whatever your role is in your family. You might uh, give your job title or in a military setting, you might uh, state your rank. Uh, in a government setting, you might say you're the role that you serve in, whatever that is. I'm a legislator or whatever. Away from your neighborhood, you might say, well, I'm whatever your neighborhood is. You know, from your town, you might say, well, I'm, I'm from Chicora or I'm a Pittsburgher or I'm, a, you know, whatever. In other areas, that you, you might even say, well, I'm a Pennsylvanian or whatever state you're from. And in another country, you might say, I'm an American, right? I mean, these are things that we say about who we are. When asked who you are, you might use a skin color or ethnic origin. You might say, uh, I'm Italian or I'm German or whatever. In a church setting, you might give your role or title, such as apostle or prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, elder, deacon, praise team member, or others like the cook or the janitor. We may describe ourselves in many ways, but the thing that really matters is what God says about who we are. We're of great value to Him. What He molds us into being when we surrender and yield to Him is the last thing we are. We are in Christ if we are in Christ. Believers are whatever God says we are in His Word. Today, we're going to see that believers are called to be thanksgivers. Thanksgivers. But before we move on, I want us to pray. Father, we need You now more than ever. Lord, we lift up to You all who are in positions of authority throughout this country, most especially those in this commonwealth, that, God, you would convert the hearts that haven't been turned to you. That you would take out the hearts of stone and put in hearts of flesh, Lord. To start here with me. Where there be any stoniness in my heart, I ask that you would remove it. That you would convert me completely to being your servant at this time. That I would want nothing more and nothing less than to serve you. Lord, I ask that you would pour your Holy Spirit of wisdom upon us. Help us to discern the truth from error. Let your authentic Holy Spirit power reign here and in our individual lives, Lord, and block all distractions. There are so many. Lord, our, our minds are being distracted by the news of the day. Our minds are being distracted by the things that we must accomplish I ask that you would bathe us with your spirit-filled word. Make us people of love for you, but not only you, Lord, for our neighbor. Please grant 
to your servant, yours truly, by your spirit, that with all boldness I may speak your word through the name of the one we call Jesus, Yahushua, our Messiah. Help me speak clearly and concisely. I completely surrender to you for your use. Please give me unction to speak by your spirit what each of us needs to hear. And I pray this in Christ's name and all of God's people said, Amen. Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 136. Psalm 136. This is a psalm of thanksgiving. It's a psalm of praise to God. Psalm 136. You can find that on page 966 in the Bibles there in your seats. Psalm 136, and I think Tony's going to put it up on the screen. No, you didn't get that one. Okay, well, that's good. We can, we can read it together from God's Word. Page 966, right hand, lower right hand column. When everyone gets there, I'll start reading. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for His mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His mercy endures forever. To Him who alone does great wonders, for His mercy endures forever. To Him who by wisdom made the heavens, for His mercy endures forever. To Him who laid out the earth above the waters, for His mercy endures forever. To Him who made great lights, for His mercy endures forever. The sun to rule by day, for His mercy endures forever. Forever. The moon and stars to rule by night, for His mercy endures forever. Are you getting the theme here? To Him who struck Egypt in their firstborn. That doesn't sound like a merciful thing, does it? But it goes on to say, for His mercy endures forever. And brought out Israel from among them, for His mercy endures forever. And there's where His mercy is found, in bringing His people out of Egypt. He brings His people, even now, out of the figurative Egypt, out of the world. For His mercy endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched stretched arm, for His mercy endures forever. To Him who divided the Red Sea in two, for His mercy endures forever, and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for His mercy endures forever, but overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea, for His mercy endures forever. To Him who led His people through the wilderness, for His mercy endures forever." To Him who struck down great kings, for His mercy endures forever. Don't let that one slip past you. God struck down great kings, great rulers in the past, for His mercy endures forever, and slew famous kings. 
for his mercy endures forever. Sion, king of the Amorites, for his mercy endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his mercy endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage, for his mercy endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant, for his mercy endures forever. Who remembered us in our lowly state, for his mercy endures forever. And rescued us from our enemies, for his mercy endures forever. Who gives food to all flesh, for his mercy endures forever. Don't be afraid of going hungry. God will feed you. Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven, for his mercy endures for a moment. No, 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 right? That's not what it says. What's it say? Somebody tell me. Forever. His mercy endures through everything forever. Giving thanks is a biblical instruction. And we benefit greatly when we heed that instruction. Giving thanks is a form of praising God. And anyone who attends services here knows that God, tell me, inhabits the praises of His people. His mercy endures forever. You want to be nearer to God? Praise Him. Praise Him. If He inhabits the praises of His people and His praises are on your lips, He's inhabiting you if you are, in fact, His temple. In 1 Chronicles chapter 16, in verse 8, it is written, Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Make known His deeds among the people. In Psalm 105, it's written, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Sing unto Him. Sing psalms unto Him. Talk you of His wondrous works. In Psalm Chapter 30, verse 4. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holiness. Give thanks. Praise Him. This is the 18th message in the series that I entitled, Who Are You? Asking that question every week. Who are you? It's important that we recognize and understand, we must comprehend who we are in Christ. If things get ugly and the Scripture says they're going to, at some point in time, if we're here, we need to know who we are in Christ. And in this series, we've explored many things that God's Word proclaims about who we are. And some of those are direct and some of them are indirect. Some of them are instructions to be who we are in Christ. And I'm going to bring brief reminders from each message. That was difficult because there's so much meat in every message. I had to just bring a, just a snippet because we've got 18 messages. And we could be here till 2 or 3 o'clock this afternoon and hope nobody minds. I know, you all know I'm kidding. My main goal is to show you that we have much to be thankful for. 
no matter what's going on in the world around us. In the first message, we learn from God's Word that we are individually and collectively the temple of the living God. We are the place where God dwells. So praise Him and experience His presence. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it's written, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? As I was on my way here this morning, I was praising God that the, the temperature had gone up to 33 degrees, and it was still raining. When I got on the interstate, it was raining hard. And I said, Lord, keep me from ever being an infidel. Keep me from being unfaithful to you. You see, that's what it means to be an infidel. You're unfaithful to God. By turning to someone or something else as your God. As we go on in that passage... We know we don't have any part with an infidel. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Give thanks. Thank God that you're His people. Because if you weren't His people, you've got a destination a destiny that is not pleasant. The creator of all that is, was, and ever shall be dwells within you if you are His. It's important that you recognize that. It's important that you comprehend that. If somebody seeks to take your life because you won't do something, You can say, I'm the temple of the living God. And if he says it's time, it's time. If he says it isn't, it isn't. In the second message, we learn believers are children of God. It's written in John chapter 1. He came unto his own and he received them. They received him not. His own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You are born again of God. God reborn you. He rebirthed you. You are children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. That's what's written in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 26. You are children of God by faith, through faith in Christ Jesus. Thank Him for that. Thank Him that you're a child of the King. You're children of God and He wants what's best for you. And as such, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and them are called according to His purpose. And that's written in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. All things, even this thing that we see in the world today, it works together for good. Because the ultimate good is your redemption. Your salvation, the end game is that you will live forever with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
You will live forever. You need to know that. As a child of the King, as a child of your Creator who rebirthed you, you get to live forever. So this little life that we live here is insignificant in the grand scheme of things. You're children of God. Give Him thanks. In part three, we learn believers are those who endure. You endure the race that's been set before you. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience or endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He's our leader. Christ is our leader. We follow Him along the narrow path that leads to everlasting life. Give thanks for His flawless lead. Give thanks for His flawless lead. He led with absolute holiness, with absolute purity. And this is the example that we follow. We live unto Almighty God, and we allow His Spirit to guide us out of the temptation that is laid before us in this life. In the fourth message, we learn believers are compared to salt. That was a short message. I didn't do all my notes that week. But ultimately, you are the salt of the earth. This is what's written in Matthew chapter 5, and verse 13. Our Lord Himself said this, But if the salt had lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. And ultimately, we are those who season the world with the gospel of everlasting preservation. You see, salt has those two qualities. It seasons and it preserves. Today, we're told salt's no good. But, you know, every time I took my dad to the hospital before he passed, I'd give him saline, salt water, and sugar water. You tell me. I don't know. Salt preserves. True salt, not the sodium chloride stuff that we call salt today. We season the world with the gospel of Christ, our Redeemer, who offers everlasting preservation, and we can thank God for that. We can thank God. In part five, we learn believers are authorized. You know, and I'm going to pause for a moment. You know, I thought about doing a traditional Thanksgiving message. You know, the people came over on the Mayflower and so on and so forth. And I said, you know what? Everybody's heard that before. God, what do you want me to do? He said, tell them my word. I said, oh, there's a novel idea. Let's stick to God's word. What does his word say, right? It says, give thanks. To him, we are authorized. The authority we have comes from Almighty God through Christ our Lord. He was given all authority, and he delegated that authority to his followers. He gave his apostles power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases, and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Give thanks to God for his power and authority. He has given it to us. We simply need to exercise it. In part six, we learn believers are those who renounce. 
written in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, whose mercy? God's mercy. And, and how long does that endure? Forever. Okay. <clears throat> as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the Word of God deceitfully. And there are so many that handle the, God, the Word of God deceitfully today. But he said it was going to happen. He said, in fact, one of the biggest signs that's repeated over and over in Scripture is that in the last days, deception is going to become normal. We don't handle the Word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. You check me. Am I bringing the Word of God or am I not? You, that's your role. Your role as believers is to check me on it. Are we in God's Word or is it some man's Word? Are we in God's Word or some demonic nation's Word? Are we in God's Word or what else? God's Word. But all things that are exposed, it's written in Ephesians 5, are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. And we're light. That's what His Word says. Who are you? You're salt and light. We briefly covered that in, in the salt message. We live in and share the light of Christ. And forsaking sin is equal to shining light. Renouncing darkness. And I say thank God for His power over darkness. In the beginning of September, we learned that all baptized believers are baptized baptizers. And then we had a baptism service. And more than 20 people stepped into the water of baptism. We left here believing we had 10 people or so. And by the time it was over, there were more than 20 people. Some of my brothers assisted me in, in uh, putting people in the water, buried in the likeness of His death, raised in the likeness of His resurrection. Praise God. Thank Him for that. Baptized baptizers. Every baptized believer is authorized by God to baptize new believers. How do you think it happened in the, new, in the, in the early church? It wasn't the 12 guys that he called apostles. It was everybody. If you were baptized, my guess is we had 3,000 people come into the church in one day that they were baptizing them and sending them, okay, you go get that group over there. You go get that group over there. They'd still be baptizing if it was just the 12. It was just some group of people that, oh, you're the only ones. No. We're all authorized. I'm not trying to put myself out of work. Don't get me wrong here, okay? But you've got to understand who you are, because if the church gets shut down, folks, and people come to Christ, you need to be ready to put them in the water, because you're the one. You're authorized. The praises of his children. Praise God. I love hearing the children. I really do, folks. Praise God.
You know, our Lord told his disciples, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. This is Matthew chapter 28. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. That means now he's still with us. He said, go and baptize them. He wasn't just talking to the twelve, okay? Praise the Lord. You keep praising God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. In part eight of the Who Are You series, we learned that even though our Creator knows what we need before we ask, we are to ask. It's written in Luke chapter 11 and verse 13 regarding the Holy Spirit. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Thank your, thank your Creator for His Spirit. He indwells you. He empowers you to resist temptation. You resist the devil, and what happens? He flees. Right, the Scripture says. In the ninth part, we learned that this earth is not our home. After being born again, we're strangers and pilgrims here. There's a little Thanksgiving message for you. <clears throat> we're visitors. This isn't our home. It's written in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Thank God for making reconciliation possible. He didn't have to. He could have wiped the earth out before we even came on it. We conquer by His power. And God's, from the beginning, chosen you to salvation. Thank Him for making reconciliation possible. And thank Him that this earth is not our permanent home. This isn't our permanent home. We're not going to be here forever. Thank Him for that. In the tenth part of the series, we were learning that we were set apart. We're sanctified for God's service. He wants His children to be holy, so we avoid sin, especially any type of sexual sin that He forbids. We're not slaves of fleshly desires. He makes that clear if, in fact, we're His. We are to be pure. God has, from the beginning, chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. That's written in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. He's chosen you to be set apart. He's chosen you. In the beginning of October, we learned that all believers are saints, not just some dead folks that are called saints by somebody else. We're all saints. Many passages in both the First and the Second Testaments tell this truth. I'm not going to read them, but there are many. Look for the word saints in your Bibles. Get a Bible app and type in the word saint or saints and read how many passages of Scripture refer to God's people as saints, the living ones, not just those that have gone on. As we moved on to the twelfth part of the series, we learned that we're more than conquerors, more than conquerors through Him that loved us. We conquer by the power of Christ within us. We conquer temptation. We conquer everything that's placed in our way to stay on that path. It's His path. And we're His workmanship. 
We're His workmanship in Christ. That's what we learned in the 13th part of this series. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We're His workmanship. He does the work within us. He transforms us. He changes us. And I say, let's give Him thanks for that. I give Him thanks for transforming me. I was a vile sinner running from Him. I didn't want to serve Him. I didn't want to be a preacher. But He got a hold of me, and I thank Him for that. Thank Him. And you know, that's also a sign that of that which will happen when Christ returns. He will rework us, renew us. We get new bodies. In the 14th part, we learn believers are heirs and joint heirs with Christ. It's written in Romans 8.16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if you're His child, His Holy Spirit lets you know. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. Remember that if anybody pressures you into doing something against your will and you say no. If you suffer with Him, you will be glorified together with Him. We have a permanent home with our Creator. A permanent home. There's no better place. At the beginning of this month, we learn believers are kings and priests. We're not in the Aaronic priesthood. We are in the priesthood of Melchizedek. Or Melchizedek, depending on who you listen to. It's written, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people. That you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who did not obtain, have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. How long does mercy endure? Forever. In part 16, we learned the fact that believers are called to be contenders for the faith. Put them up. I'm fighting for the faith. And as we move forward in time, it's going to get a little harder. We are going to need to know that we are, in fact, called to be contenders for the faith. Yes, our Lord is all about love, but that doesn't mean that you can't fight for the faith. Think about the time when he took that whip of cords that he had made, premeditated, and went in and chased them out of the temple because of their sin against God. We're contenders. We stand for truth, and God's Word is truth. No longer are we tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We strive and earnestly defend and preserve the faith. We should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. That's what's written in Jude, verse 3. So thank God for enabling us to contend for the faith. Last week, we learned that believers are the bride of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. There are those who argue against that. They say we can't be the bride because the bride has to prepare herself for the wedding. We are called to prepare. It's written in Revelation 19 and verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice 
Give honor to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and His wife has made herself ready. Thus it is written. And so as we went through those series, that series of messages, we also covered other things that the Word tells us believers are. Some of those things I haven't touched on in the recap here. But I want you to be alert. When you're reading God's Word, I want you to see, I want you to hear the Spirit speaking to you of what God is calling you to be. You're His people. He cares about you. And it doesn't matter whether you're sitting in this building or you're listening through some other venue. When you're reading God's Word, I want you to be alert. Pay attention to those things, and maybe they'll jump off the page at you, and you there's another thing that we're called to be. Because as the time continues that we're in, and time is short, folks. Time is short. The Lord says He's coming back. Whether He comes back in our lifetime or not, it doesn't matter. What matters is that we stay true to Him, no matter what the world throws at us. We need to stay true to Him. He's the only one that matters. When it comes down to it, when you stand before Him, you want to have clean hands. You've done everything that He's given you to do, and you've got nothing left. You also want to hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the rest. And it's His rest. It's His rest that has yet to come. And when you look at the Scriptures from the beginning to the end, you see the picture in the very beginning when He says, in the beginning, God created. And you follow the seven days. You see those seven days are a picture of all of time. And in the end, God rested. And that's what we get to enter his rest. I believe we're coming into that last day, folks. I believe we are. And maybe I'm wrong, and I hope I'm wrong, for all of your sakes and for the children's sake, most especially. But if we are there, then all of us need to be prepared to stand firm in our faith. We have to know who we are. We're temples of the living God. Thank Him for that. But also, don't let that go. If God dwells in you, you are His children. You're His people. Let Him rule. No matter what anybody says, no matter what anybody does, let Him rule your life to the last breath. Let Him rule. There's no other place to be except in Him. Well, there is that other place, and You know, our Lord talked about that a lot. It's not a place that was created for us. It was created for the devil and his angels. It was created for the enemy of souls. Unfortunately, those that join league with him, that's where they end up. And as I wrap this up, I want you to remember what's written in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 18. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God for you. It's God's Word. He wants you to give thanks. I hope this series has opened your understanding of God's Word regarding who you are. I also hope that it 
helps you to see the many things that are peppered throughout Scripture that describe who you are or who you are to be. And maybe you can help others to learn who they are in Christ. I hope you have a new revelation every time you open His Word. You are highly prized by God. He wouldn't dwell in you if you weren't. Live as that prize that you are to Him. Live your life knowing that God is with you. He is in you. And so when you're tempted to sin, would you, just for example, on the message about the bride of Christ, I showed a picture of my wife and I and our wedding and her coming down in the gown and all of that. Would you, if you're married, or let's, if you're not, let's say you are, would you commit a sin against your spouse with them present? Anybody? Raise your hand if you would. Husbands, would you sin against your wife if she were right there? Would you sin against your husband, ladies, if he was right there? See, because God is with you. He is in you. You are His. You belong to Him. He has prepared you to be that final bride. Be forever connected to Him. And so when you're tempted to sin, you can say, The Lord rebuke you, Satan, as it's written in God's Word. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. He brought you out of bondage. God did. He set you free. God did. His mercy, repeat it with me, endures forever. So remember to be thanksgivers. Remember to be thanksgivers. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank You. We thank You that Your Word is true. Thank You for enabling us and empowering us to be contenders and to prepare as the Bride of Christ. Thank You for dwelling within us. Thank You, Father, for helping us to endure to the very end. As we finalize this service, Lord, that has been dedicated to You, we ask, Father, that You would strengthen each one in the power of Your might. And again, we lift up all who serve in positions of authority throughout this region, Lord. Our county commissioners, whom we love dearly, we ask, Father, that You would bless them. We thank You for their stand in matters related to the commonwealth. We lift up those who are serving in this commonwealth. And we ask, Lord God, that You would convert their hearts. Lord, as we go forward, I ask, as your under-shepherd, the one you've placed leading this flock to follow Christ, I ask that you would bless each one, that you would lead us along your path, that we would know who we are in Christ, and that we would walk purely in his footsteps. 
And I pray this in His mighty and majestic name and all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.